Good morning. Let's stand all over the house this morning. And let's begin worship this morning. It's an old hymn of the church. I'm in a new world since the Lord saved me. Let's worship.
scripture that is read, message that is given will be for the advancement and the glory and the honor of Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that everything, Lord, would bring you glory for the advancement of your kingdom. In Christ's name we pray. And all the God's people said amen. 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 Let's greet one another in the Lord. God bless you. And the microphone is on. I got up here the other night and it wasn't, wasn't on. I didn't turn it on. But that's okay. In Proverbs chapter 16, starting with verse 1, going through verse 9. The preparations of the heart in a man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth spirits. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. By mercy and truth, inequity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without right. A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. We should let the Lord lead us in everything that we do. And praise the Lord for his word. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Remember those that are sick, those that can't be here because they've got to work, those that are traveling, because we still have a lot of people that are traveling. Continue to abide with them. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. 
Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise your holy name for this opportunity to come before you in prayer. Lord, we lift you up. We thank you. We ask that you will continue to be with us and help us. Lord, for those that are sick today, I pray that you will touch them and lift them up. For those that are having to work, I pray that you will be with them, Lord, and strengthen them. Let their work be as unto you. Lord, I pray for those that are traveling, that you'll keep your angels round about them and give them traveling mercies, Lord, because the traffic's going to be bad. The weather's not going to be great. So I pray that you will be with each and every one of them and protect them. Lord, I pray that you will be with us in this service. Give the pastor the word you would have him to say that will touch our hearts that we can use this coming week for thy glory. We ask all this in Jesus' holy precious name. Amen. Worship the Lord of this year as he comes to you.
again let's join back in together and worship today
us the voices. For you are Alpha and Omega. We worship you, our Lord. You are worthy to be praised. Father, we just love you today. We glorify your name. You truly are Alpha and Omega. You truly are the first and last, the beginning and the end. Father, you truly are worthy to be praised. Father, we have so much to be thankful for today. God, as we get ready to break the bread of life today, Lord, I pray that you would speak to your people. God, today that the word of God would go forth and it would accomplish the task that it is sent to do. God, that it would do only what it can do in the heart of life of the believer and the non-believer. So God, today I'm asking that you would be glorified and magnified. Every song that has been sung, every message that has been given, note that's been played, scripture that has been read, Lord, I pray that it would have done something to set the atmosphere for the moment we are about to have with you. Father, I'm asking this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, our Lord people of God together said amen. Amen. If you remain standing, grab your Bibles and go with me to the book of Psalms chapter 92. Book of Psalms chapter 92. While you're turning there, let me just make a couple quick uh, informational things to you. A lot of folks are still traveling, still sick. Brother Dennis and Sister Dale are traveling. Sister Tana is out today sick. Sister Barnes is out today sick. There's just so many people uh, that our brother Stan is not here with us today. He's not feeling too good today as well. There's just so many people post-holidays that have things going on. But I do want to just mention a couple things. Don't forget next Sunday night, 
uh, is our Christmas party at the church, our, our church Christmas party. It's next Sunday night at 5 p.m. We moved it up one hour just to kind of make sure you can get here safely and then get home at a decent time. So next Sunday night, if you're going to play the game, the gift exchange game that we often play, we ask you to bring uh, a 5 to $10, doesn't have to be super expensive, already pre-wrapped, already wrapped so we don't know. And we're going to play that game for 13 years old and older. Now, you say, well, Pastor, what do I do if I have a kid that's 12 years old and down? Great question. If you want to bring a gift for your kid, and I don't mean your kid, but bring a gift for your kid to play, we'll have a kid's version of that game where kids can do that as well. So you can bring coloring books or trinkets or bouncy balls or whatever else. You know, I, I'm going to be honest with you. If Micah gets a warm fleece blanket that has, you know, horses on it, he's not going to think that's too cool. Somebody in this room might like fuzzy blankets with horses on them. I don't know. So, so if you're going to play with your kids or you want your kids to play, we will have all the kids divvied up as well. We'll have them on a separate table. We'll do all the numbers for them as well, and they'll play the kid version of that game so that way they don't get stuck with a giant box of popcorn and hot chocolate or something. So we want to make sure that you are aware of that as well. Don't forget Christmas Eve is coming up. We always have our Christmas Eve celebration if you still want to give to the Home for Children Harvest Festival, you can just mark down in your tithe envelope. We're going to be sending that off as well. Also, the retired ministers, uh, we take up an offering for them. So next uh, week, we will, uh, we're, this week coming up, we'll be sending a big, you know, big offering to them. So if you want to give to that, just make sure you put that in the offering plate or tell Sister Carol what you want to give to that, and she can make a note of that, even if you don't have the money with you today or whatever, and we'll go from there. So a lot of stuff happening uh, around the property. You can find all this stuff online and our website, uh, all that information. Starting next Sunday, we will start the Christmas series, the Christmas um, um, season, if you will. We're going to be on a series called A Hallmark Christmas. We're going to be walking, the, walking through the story of the Christmas season a little bit different this year. And so we're going to have a great time. It's going to be fun. It's going to be festive. It's going to bring the story in a new light. There's only so many ways you can say that Jesus' mama's name was Mary. We're going to do our best to, to make it an enjoyable time of the year as we talk about uh, the reason for the season, and we know that is Jesus Christ. And so next Sunday, we'll start our, quote, Advent Christmas season uh, with uh, a series called Hallmark Christmas, and each, series, each sermon will fall under that header today. Psalms chapter 92, verse number 1. We're going to read down to verse number 5, and then we will pray and jump into it. It is good... To give thanks to the Lord. It's a good thing. And to sing praises to your name, O Most High. To declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. On an instrument of ten strings. Put your hands. On the lute. On the harp. With harmonious sound. What the writer is saying is, whatever you got in your hand, it's good to give God praise. For you, Lord... Have made me glad through your works. And I will triumph in the works of your hands. O Lord, how great are your works. Your thoughts are very deep. I want to spend a few moments of your time today. Before we dismiss and head out. To talk to you on an idea of the effects of a thankful life. The effects of a thankful life. We all just came through Turkey Day. It is the most, for a chicken... Thanksgiving is the best day on his calendar because nobody's eating chicken, they're eating turkey and ham. On Thursday, every chicken house in America was thankful it was Thanksgiving. 
They were thankful. They lived a life of thanks. Every one of us in this house, if you were able to have turkey and dressing, stuffing for some of you, macaroni and cheese, if you were able to go to someone's house and share a meal with someone, if you were able to have your families over for Thanksgiving, if you were able to even have food in general for Thanksgiving, even if you didn't have family over, you have a lot to be thankful for. There's a lot of people in this world that didn't have food on their table because they didn't have money to put food on their table. There's a lot of people this year that pulled up chairs with their family around a dinner table, but some of those chairs were empty from last year's table because someone that once sat in that chair last year wasn't in that chair this year. Just this year alone, three or four folks I personally know that I have been involved in their homegoing services went and helped do that. They had an empty chair this year for Thanksgiving. Listen, I'm here to tell you today that even if it wasn't the perfect Thanksgiving, the fact that you were able to still be here this morning is enough reason to be thankful for God for another year. There's a lot of people that would like to trade places with you today. Even people that go to this church that are homesick right now that would trade places with you if they could. We have a lot to be thankful for. So we're going to talk today about the effects of a thankful life. Eternal Father, I pray today that you would do what only you can do. Father, I pray you would bless the reading of this word. Let us not only be hearers of the word, but doers of it thereof likewise. I pray, God, that every note that has been played, song that has been sung, has been, God, honoring and pleasing and a sweet aroma of worship to you. Father, I pray this morning, God, you would open our eyes, our hearts, and our ears to hear the word of God. Lord, let it be challenging, chastising, convicting, and ultimately changing in our hearts and lives. God, I know there are people that are traveling, people that are not here, people that are sick in body. They wish they could be here. They wish they could be a part of this service. But for whatever reason, God, they are not, they're providentially hindered today. But we are here, so we have a lot to give you thanks for. So God, today I'm asking God that you would let this word not be my word spoken, but your word heard. And I pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The people of God together said amen. Amen. You may be seated if you can this morning. The effects of a thankful life. The writer here, it doesn't tell us who the actual writer is here in Psalms 92. It is considered to be unknown, though a large portion of theologians and people that study uh, biblical text, most of them attribute this psalm to David, even though David doesn't specifically acknowledge himself as the writer of this psalm. Many attribute it to him. In fact, it was actually a psalm or a song, that's what psalms are, they're songs. It was actually a psalm or a song written for the Sabbath day. In fact, if you have a Bible that has headers, many of your headers in the Bible will actually say a song for the Sabbath. Now, I know we're not uh, Jewish in terms of how we celebrate the Sabbath. Many of them celebrate it on, on Saturday. But to us that are, are Judeo-Christian, uh, of the Judeo-Christian faith, we consider Sunday to be our version of the Sabbath. That's our day of rest. That's our day of, of, if you will, worshiping God together and coming together. So it is considered a song of the Sabbath day or a song of Sabbath. And so it would be no different than if we sang songs on a Sunday morning in church on a Sabbath day in the Christian world. It would be no different than us singing a song to God on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or, or some portion of that day. It's the same concept. The writer starts out very clearly with his intentions. He doesn't cut any 
corners. He doesn't try to have some subliminal message. He doesn't try to creatively sleight of hand, try to make you read between the lines. He makes it very clear from verse 1, he makes it very clear the intentions of this song. Even though there are 15 verses, if you will, or parts of this song that are to be sung, uh, if we were to have a song that had 15 verses, most of you would tune out after the 4th verse, much less the 15th verse of the song. But, but even though there are 15 verses, if you will, in this psalm, the psalmist makes it clear what his intentions are on the very first line. He says very quickly and very effectively that it is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name most high. You, you, can't, you can't get much more clear than that. That's pretty clear. I mean, he makes it very clear from the start of this, if you will, from this very start of this passage of Scripture. He says, look, I could stand here all day. I could do whatever I needed to do to tell you. But the best thing I can tell you to do is sing to God. God's been good to you. I could stand up here and preach all day to you. I feel like the psalmist would have said if he were here this morning, I can come up here all morning. I can exhort you, I can read scripture to you, I can preach to you, I can shout with you, I can run the aisles with you, but the greatest thing we can do is praise the Lord. That's the best thing we can do. It's not about my words, it's not about my message, it's not about my preaching etiquettes, it's not about my efficacy of preaching, it's not about the persuasion of men's words, but the best thing we can do on a Sunday morning, no matter who the guest speaker is, no matter who the pastor is, no matter who the worship leader is, whether the worship leader is on tune and on pitch every time, whether the band is all together, whether the preacher preaches the most dynamic, eloquent of messages, the best thing we can ever do is praise the Lord. That's the best we can do. That's his intentions right off the bat. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praise to his name. We hear a lot of times about the lifestyles of the rich and famous. You, know, you hear people all the time talk about the life of the rich and the famous. Well, this person has so much money, they get to do this, they get to do that. And people talk about it all the time. Boy, if I had money, I'll tell you, if I had money, what I'd do. And we talk about that effect of what money can buy. And, you know, you hear people say, well, money can't buy happiness. And then you hear the other side of the coin says, it may not can buy happiness, but it can make me happier than I am right now. And so it's that, that dichotomy, if you will, right now. You know, money may not buy happiness, but it does put gas in the car. I mean, it does help, you know. Uh, money does help sometimes. But, but the, the reality of it is we hear that. But what if we considered instead of the life of the rich and famous, what if we considered having a lifestyle of thankful, being thankful and thankfulness? It's very effective. In fact, God himself recognizes a thankful heart. There are things about the life of a thankful believer or a thankful worshiper or a thankful heart there are elements of this life that are critical in fact when you begin to thank God and live a life of thankfulness it will shock you how your life will have different perspective and meaning when you start focusing on how good God is Rather than how bad your life is, you'll realize your life is really not that bad when God's on your side. That's why I said it's good to give thanks to the Lord. Because if I've got God, what else do I need? I've got it all. I've got it all. So here's what I want. I want to run quickly through with you. I want to first talk about the effects it has on you 
personally. In reality, every one of us in this room, if we live a life of thankfulness, it will affect you personally. It will have direct connection. Now, I didn't put these on the screen, but if you're a note taker, I'm going to give you three things here in just a moment. They're all going to be starting with the same letter. The first one of this is it will produce a positive attitude. When you're thankful, you can't be negative. Because negativity breeds negativity and thankfulness ain't negative. You can't say, Lord, I thank you for this turkey. Oh, God, I wish I had ham instead. That just took away your thankfulness. That just took it away. That's not thankful. Thankful, we, a couple years ago, I preached a series on Sunday night during the Thanksgiving season called Attitudes of Gratitude. And we walked through about to be grateful and to be thankful means my attitude has to adjust to that where I am thankful. It may not be the best turkey. It may not be a 20-pound turkey. It might be a 10-pound turkey, but it's still turkey nonetheless. I have to be thankful for what I've been given. It creates a positive attitude. Our attitude is our primary force that will determine whether or not we succeed or fail in life. Attitude has great implications on what your life looks like and the trajectory of your life. If you think you're an epic failure, you know what you're going to be? An epic failure. You know why? Because you think you are. It's your attitude. You can talk to John Maxwell, leadership gurus like John Maxwell, Zig Ziglar, all these different people. You can talk to, you know, all these, these, these people that, that write these self-help books. And all of them will tell you more than once. They'll tell you always it's about the power of your mind. What you think, you can become. What you believe in, you can achieve. They'll tell you all those things. They'll use different witticisms and coined phrases. But the essence is, you got to believe it to see it. I can't tell you you're a great person. you got to believe you're a great person. I can try to reinforce it. I can try to tell Brother Barnes that he is the most sharp-dressed man at church every Sunday. But if Brother Barnes doesn't believe that, it doesn't matter. He has to know he's the most sharp-dressed man at church. He is, by the way. But I'm just saying, you have to believe it to see it. You know, I'm not talking prosperity preaching either. I'm not talking about when you get out there. In your Honda Pilot, you start saying, thank God I drive a Lexus. Lord, I just thank you for my Lexus today. I'm not talking about the idea of, of, of fantasy land. What I'm talking about, though, is there are sometimes your mindset has to match what your desires are to become. Now, if you say, man, Pastor, one day I, really, I, I just love an Acura MDX. I just love the way those, those SUVs look. One day I want one of those cars. If you work for it. You save up for it, and you set your mind to accomplishing that goal. You know what you may one day end up owning? An Acura MDX. Why? Because you, but you believe that you can achieve it, and you work towards it. You may sacrifice some coffee dates. You may sacrifice some other things because you want that goal. It, a positive attitude will affect whether or not you succeed or fail in life. Some people see difficulties in every opportunity, but other people see opportunities in every difficulty. It's all about your perspective. Some people are going to look at a situation. I'll give you an example. Many of you know that our number one challenge that has been here uh, over the last two and a half, three years was the bathrooms. They've been a challenge. I could have stood up there one Saturday afternoon at, or at 10 o'clock at night when Brother Randy called and says, Hey, Pastor, the bathrooms are flooded. They're running into the, fellas, they're running into the vestibule area. 
We're going to have to put an out of order sign. And I could have came into that church and I could have sat there with Miss Brenda and went, this is bad. This is bad. And go, you know what? I don't know what to do. People are just going to have to not go to the bathroom anymore at church. They're going to have to hold it. You know what? I can't help it. The toilets don't flush. You know what? They'll have to get, uh, we'll have to get a golf cart system and we'll shuttle them to Parker's. But they won't be using the bathroom at this church anymore. They're out of order for good. And I'm done. This is too difficult. You know, $10,000 to be able to just flush the commode? Nope, I'm good. I'm not paying that. Nope, that's too much. That's, that's difficult. I, that's a lot of work. We're going to tear up the backyard. You know how long it took us to plant the grass back here and get it good? We're going to dig up the whole thing. That's just too, you know, it's, just, it's, just, it's an inconvenience. No, I'm, I don't think we're going to do that. Then I started thinking, but other people see opportunity out of difficulties. Do you know how many flushes we could get if we had flushing toilets? I know none of y'all think like that, but I thought that way. Lord, I would love for it to go down because I don't want it to overflow. I want to live in the overflow of your goodness, but I don't want it overflowing in the church out of the bathrooms. You understand what I'm saying? So for me, it was going to mess up the yard. Sure it was. Sure, but you know what? Grass will grow back. So I want toilets to flush. See, people can find difficulty in every situation and every opportunity, but other people will see an opportunity and see opportunities and go, you know what? We spend this money, we'll never have to do this again because it'll be right this time. And if this church lasts for 40 years, guess what's going to happen? We're still going to be flushing commodes. It was an investment. It was something we had to do. And people live their lives that way. They, they see the car battery's dead. I need to sell the car. No, not necessarily. You just need a new battery. You just change the battery. People attitudes shapes the trajectory of their life. The second thing about being, about being affected personally, not only is it a positive attitude, but when you are living a thankful life, it will give you a positive atmosphere. You'll see things differently than you did before. Everything around you will look different. Certain people with positive attitudes can walk into a room full of people and change the atmosphere because of their personality. However, there are some people that can walk into the room and zap the atmosphere right out of the room because of their attitude. You go walking into the house this week. You're having a great day. Got a raise. Boss man's been good. You come home to tell your spouse. You walk through the door. You fling the door open. Hey, honey, I'm home. I got great news. And she goes, what? All of a sudden, you don't feel as happy as you once did about the news. Or if you walk in the door and say, Hey, honey, guess what? And she goes, I don't really care. Just took the air right out of the room. You can be having a bad day. Somebody can walk into the room and just be like, Hey, Brother Jimmy, how you doing? It's good seeing you. Somebody can bring you a Cersei, which is like a, a gift of just random gift of kindness. They could, they could walk into the room and say, Hey, Pastor, here's a... Here's a king size zero bar. I know you can't button your pants now for church, but how about get some new ones? Here's a king size snicker bar. I may be having a bad day, Brother Larry, but in that moment, it turned, it turned. When that zero bar is king size zero bars laying on my desk, I might be fat as a pig in the sunshine on a hot summer day. But you know what? I might have had the worst day, but when that king size zero bar is laying on my desk, that day just changed right then. I may still can't button my pants, but you know what? That's what they have zip ties for. They're expandable waistlines. Zip them and clip them. And they don't go nowhere. Because even when you're having a bad day, somebody else's attitude of positivity 
can change your day and your attitude. You can be having a great day. And someone negative, Nancy, comes bear. You could have felt like you preached the best message. The altars were filled. I mean, people getting slain in the spirit, speaking in tongues. God's moving. Everything's going great. And you stand at the back door and somebody walks by and goes, Well, that, was, that wasn't the best sermon I ever heard you preach, preacher. It just took the whole air right out of your sails. Right? People can change the atmosphere based on their attitude. Paul and Silas were famous for this. Paul and Silas are in a Philippian jail. They're not in the most comfortable of circumstances here. They've been beaten. Their flesh is exposed. They're in this dark, moldy, uh, damp, dungy uh, facility, a dungeon-type area, shackled to, the, to a cinder block, if you will, wall. Their flesh exposed. It's murky. It's nasty. They had every right to go, this is a really bad situation. Every other prisoner's in there going, I shouldn't be here. This really stinks. They could have been like, yeah, we understand it all. You know, doom and gloom and agony and despair on me and all that stuff. If I had no luck, bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. All that kind of stuff. But that's not what Paul and Silas did. They're sitting, the same, they're sitting in the same dungeon with everybody else in the room. They're chained to the same wall that the other prisoners are chained to. They're feeling the same dampness and murkiness and depressive state that everybody else is. But instead of letting their circumstances affect them, they allowed themselves to change their circumstance. They said, you know what? We can't change where we're at, but we can change the atmosphere of where we're at. I can't change the fact that you're here this morning but you can help me change the atmosphere while you're here this morning. The reality of it is Paul and Silas said, let's sing. I don't know if they sang Psalms 92 or not, but, but they must have knew, Brother Larry, it is good to sing unto the Lord. It is good to praise the Lord and give thanks to the Lord and sing praise to your name, Most High. They started singing. All the other prisoners are going, what are these idiots doing? They're beat up. They're bruised. They're battered. They're bleeding. They look just like us. What are these, what are these people doing? They just keep singing. I don't know what they sang. Maybe they sang by faith. Maybe they sang he set me free with shackles on. I don't know what they sang. But they kept singing, Brother Wayne. They sang. They were in the same situation with everybody else. But they kept singing. They kept singing. They kept singing. What did I read? Psalms 92. Sing praise to your name most high. Oh, Lord. In verse 5, how great or how excellent are your works. They kept singing. And at 12 o'clock midnight. They heard a spiritual knock on the door. All of a sudden, the lights in the jail got a lot brighter. Nobody else had walked in the room, but God walked in the room. Angels start descending from heaven above. You think it was pretty on that starlit night when Jesus was being born in Bethlehem. You didn't see nothing when you're in a dark. The best way to know how effective light is is if you're in a dark place. Because that's when you can really appreciate the power of light. If I go outside right now and I take a spotlight and a flashlight that has a thousand lumens on it and I try to shine it to the front of the sign and say, hey, do you see that? Most of you are going to be like, I don't see nothing out there. You let it get pitch black dark tonight and you let me take that same flashlight with a thousand lumens and shine it to that sign, you'll be able to see it. Why? Because only the darkness shows you how powerful the light can be. You have to sometimes be in dark places and difficult places to see how powerful God's light can be in your life. You have to be there to experience it. You can't appreciate the light if you've never been in the dark. Just this week, my son got terrified. We were playing outside. We were playing a game called Manhunt, and we were all, like, scaring each other. We went to bed that night. He was terrified. It was dark. What if the monkey man comes back, Dad? Which was just a game we were playing. 
It's like, he's not going to come in here. Well, you don't know. You don't know where his at. Yes, I do. I met him. I was with him. I know who it is. It's, our, it's Uncle Joe. He's the monkey man. He's not with us tonight. You know what I had to do? I had to turn the light on in his room. You know what he did as soon as I turned the light on? Lay down, and within like 10 minutes, he was asleep. Why? Because the light dispelled the darkness. In your life, there are going to be times the enemy is going to put you in dark places, but if you let the light of Christ shine, the darkness will be dispelled. We've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. The reality is Paul and Silas sang, and all of a sudden, their chains fell down. But notice the story. It wasn't just their chains. It was everybody's chains. Not everybody was singing. Not everybody was worshiping. But because Paul and Silas decided we're not going to let our circumstance dictate our situation. We're going to let what we can do change our situation. Not only did their worship set them free. It set everybody in the house free. And nobody left. You know the story. The Philippian jailer wants to kill himself because he thinks that nobody left. But what I'm trying to tell you is you may sing, he set me free on a Sunday morning, not realizing you're not just setting yourself free. There might be 20 other people in this room you're helping set free today because you are helping change the atmosphere of the room. You're helping it. You're making it possible. Not only is personally, you're personally affected by a positive attitude and a positive atmosphere, but there's also, number three, a, po a powerful attribute. The word attribute can also be called courage. A, po a powerful attribute. Acts chapter 28 and verse 15. The Apostle Paul is trying to get to Rome. He's finally at his intended destination. And Paul says this. It says, and they came to meet us as far as Appi and Forum and three inns. When Paul saw them, he thanked God for them and took courage. A powerful attribute. What are you saying? I'm telling you, a life of thanks is directly linked to courage. Paul was discouraged about the situation. But as soon as he realized there were other people from all over the world still doing the gospel, still preaching the gospel, still worshiping God, when they came to visit him at Rome and said, Hey, Paul, let me tell you what's going on in this community and what's going on in this church and what's going on over here. The Bible said he thanked God for it all and took courage because he realized this thing is bigger than I am. Look, I'm not one of these guys. I don't care if the church cross town runs 500. Praise God. That means somebody is doing kingdom work. I'm not going to get mad because a church across the street or across town is running 300 and we're at 70. If we get a 300, then I'm going to celebrate with them when they run 500. Or if they go down to 70 and we go to 300, I'm going to pray that God helps them find favor and gets them back to where they were. Why? Because the reality of this is a thankful life is one that's not in it for themselves. They're in it for the greater good. Of the mass or the body. Not only does a thankful life affect you personally. But it will also have direct implications on your life. Number two. Relationally. Relationally. Not just personally. But relationally. What do you mean preacher? I'm telling you your relationships will be different. How? How do I know that? Because look at what the Bible tells us. Nehemiah. We've been on this journey. Many of you have been on this journey with us. Nehemiah, we have walked through this story of Nehemiah multiple times. Nehemiah is building a wall. He's trying his best to get the wall completed. The people of God get discouraged. 
they hear Sanballat, Tobiah telling them that they're never going to make it, they're never going to complete it and give them this horror story. We, if you've been on us with Wednesday night, you already know the whole story. I'm not going to recount the entire story for you for time's sake, but you know the story. And Nehemiah realizes that one of his greatest strengths that he possesses is having continual prayers and thanking God for how far God's brought them so far. You read the book of Nehemiah, you'll find out that's what he does. He says, let's pray. Let's thank God. God help us get here safely. God help us get the first layer of the wall done. God help us get the second layer of the wall done. God help us. He continues to pray and thank God every step of the way. And because he had a spirit of thanksgiving, it soon became contagious. And the people he was leading bought into it. They started saying, you know what? We can build this wall. We can't do it. Because he led them relationally. He had a relationship with them. He knew Jeff. And he knew Jim. And he knew Sally. And he knew Jenny. All on the wall. He knew them. And they knew him. And they knew Nehemiah wasn't a fraud or a fake. They knew Nehemiah when he meant, God, I thank you. He meant, God, I thank you. And they connected with him. The Apostle Paul, he also had a thankful and a calming spirit. He's on a boat with a group of troubled men on a transit. And today it would be the equivalent of taking a bunch of prisoners and putting them in a transport van and trying to drive them from one facility to the other. Back then they didn't have that, so they put them on boats and chained them on, on the boat. They're headed out to sea. They find themselves in the middle of a tumultuous storm. All of a sudden, the storm starts breaking the ship apart, literally piece by piece. Everybody's freaking out except Paul. Paul says, guys, listen, God already told me this was coming in a dream and a vision last night. He said, none of us are going to die. He said, we're all going to make it. He, 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 said, he said, I believe God... That it will be even as it was told unto me by him. The guard has a choice to make. He can either keep all the prisoners chained and they're going to drown and die. Which to some would have been the best solution. Well get rid of the problem. Let them all drown. That's their problem. You know what? If they weren't criminals. They wouldn't have been on the boat. Whatever. Paul said we got to release them or we're all going to go down. You have to let us free and us for us to be able to have a chance to survive. The guard, or the centurion, the guard did not let the prisoners free because he wanted to do it. He did it because he had respect for the apostle Paul because he had built a relationship with Paul and he knew Paul was a man of faith. They began to unlock the things and it would have been easy for the prisoners to jump, try to grab a board, try to swim away, whatever. But they all grab a board and the Bible says they all safely land on the island together. All the prisoners are counted for. All, everybody comes together. Why? Because Paul knew what God had said. He had built a relationship with people. And because Paul lived that kind of life, people valued that life he lived. The way you live your life. People that you have relationship with, co-workers, uh, friends, family, church people. The way you live your life will affect how you are relationally with one another. People will either buy in and believe you and trust you and hold on to you. Or they will think you are a fraud. And they'll call you out on that. They'll notice. Well, you go to church and raise your hands. But that ain't what you said last night. They'll call you out. 
See, the way you live your life is directly connected relationally. Thanksgiving and praise definitely have an effect on one another. A pastor has the ability to turn the tide with a thankful attitude. A worship leader has the ability to influence a worship service as they set the pace of worship within the house. Not only does a thankful life, the effects of a thankful life affect you personally, not only does it affect you relationally, but ultimately, and everyone knows this, it'll affect you spiritually. If you're negative, Nancy, your relationship with God is going to suffer. Because God is not of God that fails. He never fails. So if all my life it's all about, all my life, Lord, you've done nothing. All my life it has been so, so bad. Every night I go to bed and I'm sad because my life is so bad. That's not, you want to sing that every Sunday morning? I was depressed making it up. I feel like you are on Winnie the Pooh. Hello. I mean, no. A negative attitude will affect your spiritual altitude. Listen to what I said. A negative attitude will affect your spiritual altitude. Meaning if I'm negative, this is going to suffer. Because when I'm negative, I am not trusting in God. That's, you just don't understand what I'm going through. I don't, I don't think I can make it. You can't. You're right. That's a genius statement. You are right. But with God, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You're right. On your own, you're pathetic. Sorry. I don't care if you are all that in a bag of chips. Let me just be really brutally honest with you before the Christmas season. Let me be negative, Nancy, before you get to be jolly Jenny in a couple days. None of you are great. You're all failures. All of you are worthless. Until Jesus found you. My sins and my right, my righteousness, the best I could be to God, were filthy rags before his sight. I wasn't even good enough for God in my best. But God, in his abundant rich and mercy and love, said I was worth dying for. He said, you know what? You're pathetic to some degree to the world. But to me, you're worth everything. I'll give my life for you. The world thinks you're a hopeless cause. The world thinks you're a deadbeat. The world thinks you're a drunk. The world thinks you're a drug addict. The world thinks you're a liar, an adulterer. Whatever. The world thinks you're horrible. But I, I think you're worth dying for. What an exchange. What a change of thought process. A thankful life will draw your attention to God and you'll get his attention. A thankful life gets God's attention. Acts 4 and 24. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God. You have made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is within them. That's Acts 4 and 24. Just a few verses later, after they finished praying, that's the beginning of the prayer. Acts 4 and 24, it's the start of the prayer. Lord, you are great. You are God. Everything that's been created is by you. Everything belongs to you. When they finished praying, it's in Acts 4 31. When the prayer ends, you can go back and read it. They finish the prayer on verse 31. Listen to as soon as they said, and all God's people said amen. Listen to what happened. And when they had finished praying, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. 
And they were all filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. When they said, Amen, that's when God said, All right, let's talk. See, we get it backwards. We want God to do it so we can say amen and get out of here. We want it to be, God, hurry up. It's getting like, it's getting after 12. The preacher needs to hurry up. We've got we to gotta get to Dylan. If we're hungry, let's say amen. Because amen means not so be it. It means we're finished in the church world. I know it really means so be it. It's, in, in its original language, it was to mean so be it when you said amen. But in church circles, it means it is finished. That's what it means now. Jesus cried, it is finished. We cry, amen. Oh, God, he's done. It is finished. Amen, preacher. Amen, he's done. We got it backwards. When they said amen, that's when God started talking. Church was over. It was done. Brother Larry, you had played the last beat. And the pastor said, and all God's people said amen. And we're like, Gilligan's. God said, no, no, not so fast. My turn. My turn. They prayed, how excellent, how great are you, Lord. You are wonderful. Everything that is in this world belongs to you. And all God's children said, amen. And when they finished praying, God showed up. He shook the house. He filled the house. Why? Because he recognized a thankful heart. He recognized it. He heard them saying, God, you're great. God, you're wonderful. God, you're majestic. God, you're holy. You're great and greatly to be praised. And he heard the thankfulness and he said, I can respond to that. I'll listen to that. He put everything else on hold. James 4 and 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Clean, cleanse your hands, O you sinners, and purify your hearts. Praise and thanksgiving should not be an occasional act or thing we do once a year. It should be a continual outflowing lifestyle we do throughout the year. Miss Carol, you come. Thanksgiving, a living life. Listen, praise and thanksgiving should not be an occasional act that we do once a year. It should be a continual lifestyle that we live throughout the year. I'm going to go ahead and just ruin Christmas for all of you because I'm just a Scrooge and a, and a, and a Grinch. So I'm just going to ruin it. Jesus was not born on December 25th. Sorry. Jesus was not born in December. Pastor, you can't prove that. Oh, I can because the shepherds don't go out in the fields keeping watch over their flocks at night in the winter. Go ask the Jewish people. They don't sit out there in the snow. So if Jesus is being born in Bethlehem, shepherds are in the field watching sheep. Can't be in the middle of winter. That doesn't match up the calendar. Might have been somewhere between August and October. Could have been somewhere between February, March, and May. But guess what month didn't get mentioned? December. December was created by us. Commercialization. We created December 25th, not God. God didn't create December 25th. Thanksgiving, it was signed into office and proclamated as a national holiday by President Abraham Lincoln. God didn't establish Thanksgiving on the fourth Thursday of November. Man did. So we're not supposed to just give God thanks once a year on a specialized man-made holiday. We're supposed to thank God every day because every day is the day of Thanksgiving. God's been so good to me. Every day he keeps blessing me. Every day is a day of Thanksgiving. Take the time to glorify the Lord today. That's what today is. You know what December 25th is? Most people say Christmas. No, it's Thanksgiving. 
It is. No, it's not, Pastor. Thanksgiving was Thursday. No, 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 no. That's what you say. You know what January 1st is? New Year's. No, no, no. That's a man-made. You know what New Year's? You know what January 1st is? Thanksgiving. What's, Pastor, Pastor, you know what February 14th day? Oh, yeah, that's the day of Cupid. That's the love day. Yeah, it is the love day. It's also a day. It's Thanksgiving day. No, it's not Thanksgiving. No, no, it's, it's February 14th. You know what July 4th is? Yeah, it's Independence Day. Uh, yep, it is. We've been saved. God set us free. But it's also Thanksgiving Day. Pastor, you've lost your mind. No, I haven't. Thanksgiving Day is not just the Thursday, fourth Thursday of November. God is good to me every day, not just one day. Every day is Thanksgiving Day. Maybe not the capitalized letter Thanksgiving Day, but every day is a day worth giving thanks. It's a thanks get tomorrow morning when you wake up it is a thanksgiving day you have a lot to give god praise for tomorrow you have a lot to give god today's thanksgiving day you have a lot to give god praise for psalms 34 verse 1 i will bless the lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth psalms 30 12 to the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent oh lord my god i will give you thanks forevermore Psalms 119.62 at midnight I will arise and give thanks to you because your righteous judgments Psalms 79.13 so we your people the sheep of your pasture will give you thanks forevermore and will show forth your praises to all generations forever all generations thankful life sets miracles in motion a thankful life sets divine moments in order a thankful life does things you can't explain you want a miracle somebody says oh pastor I need a miracle in my life I'll tell you how to get it you want the fastest way I'm going to give you the quickest way to get a miracle from God it is not a three step program it's not five shouts and a hallelujah it's not jump three times, spin twice, clap your hands, stomp your feet, say hallelujah and sit down. Nope, none of that. The quickest way to get a miracle, thank God for what He's already done and your miracle will come before you even finish thanking God. You start thanking God for what He's already done, I promise you, with all my heart, I promise you, before you finish the thanking, God will already send you another thing to thank Him for. He'll do it. See, here's what I want to close with, and then we're going to pray. I know many of us in this room had a wonderful time with our family and friends. And I know that next week we're going to be in the holly jolly Christmas. Some of you have been listening to Christmas music since July. You guys are nuts. What's wrong with y'all? Some of y'all, some of y'all are just like Walmart. Y'all started putting pulling Christmas out of the attic in October. Y'all bypass, y'all are ready. Some of y'all already been thinking about Christmas outfits since February. Looking for Christmas pictures. That's okay. Look, I get it. It's exciting times. But as I shared this at the beginning of this message, and then I, I'm gonna pray. Everybody's Thanksgiving looked different this year than ours. I got to spend my Thanksgiving with my family, my mom and dad. Then I went to Brandon's parents, spent some time with them. Then I went to Brother Randy and Sister Carol's house. 
I know they thought it was to spend time with him. It was only because Shane had made buffalo turkey. I never had buffalo turkey. I didn't care who came to the house. I just wanted the turkey. The rest of the people didn't. Really. I mean, I love good company, but you know what? They could all left and left me with the turkey, and I'd have been just fine. I didn't care. It was wonderful. Next year, I expect one, Brother Shane. Just make sure you have another one ready for me at Thanksgiving next year. The reality of it is, that was my Thanksgiving. But for my wife, Thanksgiving looked different. My wife went home on Thursday morning after working a 14-hour shift, went to sleep, slept through the whole day, ended up getting up at 5 o'clock, going back downtown Charleston to deal with a 100% census count of people in the hospital and did not sit down and get to eat Thanksgiving, even in the middle of the night with her plate, had to bring it home, not even eaten because she never got to stop working. Her day looked different than my casual, relaxing day. I got to eat with my family and friends. Some people ate with missing chairs at a table. A missing spouse, a missing grandfather, a missing loved one. They, let, they, they ate Thanksgiving different. Christmas will look different. What I'm trying to say to you is, things in life, we were talking about it in Brother Randy's class this morning, we were talking about the effects of technology and social media and AI and all that kind of stuff. We got to the point that we talked about the human element and things like that. The reality of it is we're, we're creatures of error. There's going to be things that constantly change and evolve. I'm going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. It's going to constantly evolve. So, Pastor, what has that got to do with your message today? Just because my Thanksgiving looked different than Brianna's or might have looked different than yours, you know who we all shared in common? Jesus. We still had a lot. My wife may not have got to eat turkey and dressing like me, but thank God she had a job so we had money to buy turkey and dressing to eat that day. It might not have been ideally what she wanted, but I thank God we have jobs to be able to have Thanksgiving food and cars to drive. I thank God I'm just allowed to eat buffalo turkey. And I'm not in a nursing home in a comatose vegetative state. I'm here, but I'm really not here, so I don't even know what's going on around me. I'm thankful for life and health. Yes, I understand that after you eat turkey, everybody wants to get in a lazy boy recliner and fall asleep. Well, thank God you have a recliner to sit in. Some people don't even have a roof over their head, much less a padded chair for their rear end. Most of you guys like to do alignment adjustment. You do you specialize in rear ends. You just sit down and pull that mechanical lever and sit down and you never move again. Mechanical engineers. Some people spend Thanksgiving Day with not even a house or a roof or food. Some of us got to eat, watch the football games and sit down and feel stuffed and sleep other folks other folks didn't have that luxury see I, I what I'm telling you is the one thing we all share in common is God if you're here today whether your Thanksgiving look like mine or not if you're here today God's been good to you you made it you made it today look April and Vanessa are thanking God these babies are about to come out at any moment. They're getting close to Thanksgiving Day for themselves. They are like, God, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus, or bring this baby. One of the two. I'm growing a baby, but mine will never birth. I'm going to carry mine around for the rest of my life. At least they will shed it. People like Brother Henry and I, we are going to carry it around with us for a while. We're going to do it. There's some, I, I tell people all the time, I pastor the most level church in anybody in this side of Berkeley County. I have a lot of people with bubbles in the middle. They are a very level church. We have a lot to be thankful for, right? 
We have a lot that Sadie's with us this year. We have a lot to be thankful for. We have Harper. We have a lot to be thankful for. Sure, she might have blowouts at Family Fest and have to clean out her entire car seat because she's defecated the entire car. Thank God she has bowels that work. Some people don't have that. Thank God. That's a, that's a bad situation. But you know what? We have her. We at least have her. We may have to clean it up, but thank God we have someone to clean up. We have a baby. These two precious young ladies are going to have children in just a few weeks. December 4th is somewhere, and I think, what, February somewhere? I'm getting close. God's growing the church one way or the other. Stop drinking the water in Berkeley County, but we're growing. We have a lot to be thankful for. You know what? Everybody in this room, God's been good to you. I remember when I, and I say this, I remember when we came, there was not even a person on this stage except Miss Sherry. That was it. Old upright piano over here and nobody else. Gone. I thank God that I don't have to figure out how to play the piano by myself. I thank God for musicians. Is it a lot of work to make four different sets of music because everybody plays in a different key? Yes. But you know what? Thank God for Miss Carol because I don't do it. She does. Thank God for her. Brother Mike has to play it one key up. Sister, Sister Jennifer has to play it three keys down. And the rest of the band don't know what key we're playing in at all because we don't pay attention to our music. So you know what? Thank God we have a band, though. Thank God we have not one Sunday school class, but we have four that people have options to go to. It may not be ten. It's better than none. Thank God we have volunteers like Miss Ann and Miss Patricia and Miss Nina and others who will stand at that front door and make you feel like you're the most important person that walked into church today. Even if they don't know your name, they make you feel like you're a million dollars. You know what? Thanks. Thank God we have that. Not every church has that. Thank God we have young people, babies, toddlers. I understand the three to five-year-olds make every, teen, every teacher in the back back there want to rip their hair out. I get it. You know what? Thank God, though, we've got them because without them, we'll die. Thank God we have Brantley. He might break every bone in his body around the holidays, but thank God he's here to break them. Thank God we have teenagers like Riley and Madison that help us make this stuff go. If Madison wasn't here this morning, we wouldn't have a computer because Miss Tana's sick. Thank God teenagers know how to run the system. Thank God people like Riley's asking, hey, can we learn this new worship song because they want to sing about Jesus rather than not live for Jesus at all. Thank God for that. Thank God we got young adults like Jordy and Tana and Brantley that come to Sunday school, that come to church, that want to hear about Jesus rather than live a life away from Jesus. Thank God we have senior adults that can help us stay sane around here. Thank God for people like Mary and Wendell Weaver and and. Mr. Wayne over here that through our outreach ministries and just being a part of the community, God's brought people in the community to be a part of us. Thank God for those moments. Thank God for reconnections like David and Ashley Harley who I've known all the way back from my days serving in Andre. Thank God that no matter how God orchestrates our steps, we all get to eventually come back together and worship together. Thank God for chaos of life. Bring us all back together. We have a lot to be thankful for. Here's my challenge to you today. Christmas is going to get busy. Life's going to get hard. You're going to have days that are good, days that are bad. I was sitting here, and I don't mean to say this to be taken out of context, but I was sitting here today thinking about, or yesterday when I was finalizing the message, I started thinking about people like Sister Jennifer and 
her family, all they've had to go through over the last year. And I kept thinking, you know what? At least they got to spend Thanksgiving. They may not have been the perfect Thanksgiving, but at least everybody was there to celebrate Thanksgiving, even if it wasn't perfect. See, it's all a matter of perception, my attitude. God, thank you. You know, look, my, my, there's some of you in this room, your Thanksgiving was not, we've had conversations, your Thanksgiving was not like you wanted it to go. But thank God you were at least here to even enjoy Thanksgiving, that God gave you another day. I want to take about two to three minutes, and then I'm going to pray. But I'm going to give you about two to three minutes, kind of like this time of reflection. You know, when you go to the games, they always talk about, let's take a moment of silence. We're going to let Miss Carol keep playing, though. I want you to reflect over the last 11 months. How good God's been to you and your family. Over the last 11 months, I've had counseling appointments, phone call appointments, Zoom calls, our phone conversations late in the night with people whose worlds have been turned upside down over the last 11 months. But yet those same people are still fighting the fight of faith. They're still trusting God every step of the way. Some of us have had a bad year. But God's been good regardless of our year. God's still been good. So my challenge to you is just take a few moments and then I'll close this out in prayer. And then you're going to get to go eat lunch. We'll see you back at 6 o'clock tonight. But just take a few moments and kind of self-reflect the last 11 months. The good, the bad, and the ugly. But reflect on how good God's been through it all. How good He's been through it all. Will you take that time right now as Miss Carol plays? Father, we thank you. Our lives may not have been the last 11 months like we drew them up. There were days that were good. There were days that were challenging. There were days, God, that we shed tears. There were days that we laughed to the point of tears. There were days we were on cloud nine. Nothing seemed to go wrong. There were days, God, it looked like the entire cloud sky was filled with gray. There was no hope in sight. God, every person in this room, including myself, you have been good to us the last 11 months. You have walked us through difficult places. You've walked us through pleasant places. You've been with us every step of the way. Father, not only have you done that, you've been good to this church. You've helped us overcome challenges, Lord, that we've had to deal with cosmetic and repairs and finances, and, and God, you've orchestrated them flawlessly. Flawlessly. Father, I know we're getting ready to transition into that season that we call Christmas. God, I pray we don't just celebrate Thanksgiving as a day of one time a year on a calendar. We checked off the box. Now let's move on to a different season. 
But God, whether it's December, January, March, April, or May, July, September, or October, let every day that we have life in our body, jobs to go to, houses to live in, families to see, a church to, to be with us and support us, family and friends, everything we have, let every day be a day of God. Thank you. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for my church. God, there are some things in life we wish we didn't have to deal with. But God, thank you that you've given us the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control to deal with those things in life. Father, we're getting ready to leave this place to go to lunch and then eventually back here tonight at 6 p.m. God, at the end of the day, we have so much to be grateful for. Father, I pray you bless us and you keep us. As you always have. You be gracious to us. You lift up your countenance towards us. Give us the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding. God, our hearts to you come again. Lord, let the words of our mouth and meditation of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our strength and redeemer. I pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the people of God said amen. And before we pray the benediction, let me just quickly recap really fast. If you're going to play, the next Sunday night is the Christmas party. It's going to be treated like a snack night. We're not having snack night tonight. We'll have it next week. So bring your favorite holiday treats. Bring your little smokies, your little sugar cookies, whatever you like to bring for Christmas snack night. We'll be next Sunday night. Bring that. And if you want to play the gift exchange, remember, bring one for yourself. If you want your kids to play and they're under 12, we'll do a kid's version. Make sure you get one for them and let us know when you bring them so we know which gift is which. But bring your favorite little snack items and uh, for that. And it will be next Sunday at 5, not 6. And I'll remind you next Sunday morning. But we want to spend that together. And also, uh, don't forget about the Harvest Festival offering and retired minister's offering. Uh, I'm going to do something a little bit different uh, this morning as we get. I'm going to ask my mom to come and pray uh, the benedictory prayer. As a child growing up, uh, my mom used to teach a lot. She used to teach at Sunday school. She used to teach the young adults. She's taught about every class in the church except the nursery. She may have done that at some point in time. I'm not sure. But I know she doesn't want to ever do it again if she has because she told me when she started coming, I'll never do, I'm not doing the nursery. So, but one of the things is um, that I'm thankful for is that every day, since I can remember, my dad can attest to this, my mom, always, every house she's ever had, she always had a spot, her spot. It could be upstairs. It could be in some dilapidated picnic table looking covered chair. It looks hideous with a dilapidated lamp. It's falling apart, but that was her spot. It didn't matter if you liked it, if it was aesthetically pleasing, that was her spot. She had rugged Bibles, broken down Bibles, tore up Bibles, but she had used them a lot. And so when I was thinking about the culmination of this message over the course of this week, I thought, you know, yes, Brother Randy and Brother Mike and others do a great job, but I'm thankful that I had a heritage that prepared me to do what I do now. And so I'm going to ask her to actually pray the benediction prayer over you and your family. Before we jump into the Christmas season, just let, let her pray so that you get to taste what I got to taste like as a kid and get to experience uh, for the last 30-plus years. I'm not going to tell you how many, but, but enough, 30-plus. God bless you. We'll see you in a little bit. 6 o'clock. Lord, we have so much to be thankful for. And we could never be thankful enough for your goodness, for your blessings to us personally, to us corporately. God, thank you for this church. 
Thank you for these people who come, bring their families and themselves to join together to worship you. Lord, the pastors prayed a prayer of blessing over them. And Lord, don't let it just be words. Let it truly resonate in all of our hearts. May each of us be thankful. Lord, beside that old ratty chair, there's a little sign that says, simply blessed. That's how I feel today, simply blessed. God, bless these people today. Not for them alone, but they might bless others because of their love for you. And at the end of this day and at the end of this life, Lord, let us be able to stand before you with grateful hearts and hear you say, well done, my good and faithful servants. Keep us today. Be with us today. And may we honor you in all we do and say. In the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.